0: And you're listening to For the Oh. Oh
1: Listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design. Joining Roger from Wow Dogs and For the Lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft.
2: Hello and welcome to For the Lore, this is Roger coming to you on Monday, the sixteenth of August, for episode number forty eight of For the Lore. I've got with me, same as usual, my man Joe as well as Vince. How you boys doing? Doing fantastic. Can't complain. Okay, let's just jump right into it, because this is freaking awesome. At least it is for me. We got to see the new Bioshock trailer for Bioshock Infinite. Yes. Now I'm actually going to play it for the folks in the audience, because it's too awesome not to play. Oh, look at this. i got to choose my age. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Let's back it up here. But Can I go I'm that sh- far back? It, it apparently does. It'd be a lot easier if it let me just type the damn thing in.
1: See, 71
2: for those wondering, but definitely not December 1st. So here is the trailer for the folks. And I'm actually going to let Vince go off first because, well, Joe just didn't shut up during the last podcast.
0: Vince, what did you think about this? I thought it was amazing. And it's, it's what I want out of a sequel. Now, Bioshock 2 was let's face it, a lot of more of the same. It was the same setting with some some new story elements tied in. But overall, it didn't really do that much to expand the universe. Well, this is expanding the damn universe. You're going from the bottom of the ocean to a city flying in the sky. It's taking everything from Bioshock as far as setting and concept and doing something completely new with it. That's why it's not Bioshock 3. It is Bioshock Infinite because it is infinitely more awesome than anything we've seen before see and and i'll agree with you on that see i think it's it's awesome because it didn't rely
2: on the same thing that bioshock was in terms of the, the the pure concepts of of rapture kind of thing it decided to really depart from that but keep the same Things That made Bioshock awesome. So in the same way that and say I wrote about this for the site in the same way that Bioshock had that, that made you feel bad. It just made you feel like claustrophobic like you were going to drown because of the pipes bursting all around you and everything. It's that very. Tense feeling gameplay feeling they created that except now they went to the polar extreme of that that falling that feeling of of falling and being that yeah which is completely different and yet has that same
1: sense of dread when you're playing and this trailer has that in spades this is doing uh, the entire franchise from System Shock 1 and System Shock 2 to Bioshock 1 and Bioshock 2 now to Bioshock Infinite It's just been this one steady climb to epicness. Okay. And we're talking about a a, a game that uh, Bioshock 1 and Bioshock 2, Vince is right. There wasn't a big expansion of the universe between, uh, you know, Bioshock 1 and Bioshock 2. It was the same type of universe. It was the same type of storytelling, uh, just from a different aspect, bringing it over into, you know, closer to modern day. We're talking about Bioshock Infinite. Instead of looking at it as a, a sequel, it is its own monster you know it is taking these these concepts and, and and pushing them into a new extreme like you said that city in the sky you know and this is something that we saw touched on both of these aspects both the underwater and both in the sky was something that we saw lightly touched on in System Shock 1 and 2 but now you start looking at this and it's fully developing into its own universe that is the counterbalance to this to, the, to Bioshock to, to Rapture you have the city of Columbia versus the city of Rapture and you cannot get two polar opposites more more so than this and i'm blown away like a lot of people are saying that they hate this right now i it's it's fucking steampunk bioshock as far as i'm concerned and i want it
2: well not just that but i mean the cookies that they toss anybody who played the first two in terms of the i mean when you're looking at the underwater city here where they're talking about the chicago world's fair and um when they're showing the um when his head is being held under water, and he's seeing the the big daddy little figure mm-hmm. in the tank kind of thing, and then this the what will be known as the the new big daddy has this heart that's in the center of his chest, and, and and all these little cookies that you're seeing throughout the trailer that they're obviously going to be tossing at you throughout the game that you're still going to know that you're in excuse me you're in a Bioshock game. It's a completely different element, but you're still going to be able to expect the same things that you expected from the first two, and they'll be in this.
1: Well, and this is kind of like a, a play, too, for all the people that respond or that play the... The, uh, the first games, of the Bioshocks, because they talked about there was this divergence of, of scientific exploration. Half of them retreated to underneath the water to rapture to a, an idealized city to practice their sort of trades, uh, whereas the other half took off to their own city. And I believe there was a reference to the city of Columbia in the first Bioshock game. Um, I can't remember it was, but I'm pretty sure there was a reference to it in the first game where they talk about the other half of the scientists that went off to do their own thing. And here it is finally. So you're, it's, it's also bringing this sort of story of this world full circle.
0: Yeah. And it, it's a nice contrast because the entire concept of rapture was a place where these people could, you know, had the freedom to explore any ideas that they had. And that's what rapture was supposed to be all about was freedom of thought. And then you look at Columbia and it's a completely different concept of freedom. It's the idealized American idea of freedom, of your right to bear arms, you know all your your supposed rights. And there's two very similar concepts taken in two completely different polar opposite directions. And what's what's cool is you realize from even from the little bit that we've seen, it, while rapture was supposed to be all about freedom, it eventually became a very oppressive society. And we're seeing here this this other Colombia that has this completely different ideal of freedom, but you still see there's still this rigid structure in place. Well, very rigid structure. When you're looking at some of the
2: poster that they have, the propaganda posters, which I loved with... Bioshock, which obviously we're still going to be able to expect with Infinite. The the, the idea that it's more about fostering your own and not accepting other people into your culture, going completely against what they were saying, too, with the Statue of Liberty motto kind of thing, send us your poor and your wounded, the the plaque on the Statue of Liberty. And they have their own plaque as well, or sorry, statue as well, which I'm showing here, which is very much a similar kind of Lady Liberty type of sculpture. But it's interesting to see how how it strays from the ideas of a modern society into very much a closed-off, higher-than-thou kind of society that we saw some of in Rapture that we're definitely going to be seeing more of in here as well. And then yeah. let's look at the gameplay as well. Now, this is interesting simply because... When you were looking at Rapture, you had a gameplay wherein at any moment you're going to be in a room that's full of water that has a lot of water. You got to take that in consideration, and you can use that to your to your advantage with certain plasmids or whatever kind of with electricity. Here you're going to be having if you look at some of the buildings that are floating by sheer virtue of the fact that how they're being propelled and whatnot. You, it, there's going to be a little bit of vertigo here simply because the buildings aren't always completely vertical either they're they're kind of floating around so as you're playing it would stand to reason that you're going to be going through some sections that the the, the you playing Derelict. environment may very well be moving as well which to me adds a whole level whole different level of gameplay that will make it very interesting to remind you of where you are and make you feel insecure in that environment
1: well yeah i mean and that's that's going to be cool cuz then think about it when something drops out and just falls and is at the mercy of gravity you know, you, you've seen the MythBusters where they dropped an elevator and just saw what happened to the person and you know the the buster inside and saw how it reacted to those forces acting on it. You can have things like that. You have things like that where agents just like you know the floating mechanism gets destroyed and next thing you know that section of building or that one building starts plummeting and you get slammed against the ceiling because you're essentially in a zero g drop, you know, or whatever the case is. And there's good, there's all sorts of cool things that they can really do for it. And there, on that same vein, that that. Same Same uh, talking about, you know, feeling that 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 sort of pressure that that anxiety, they're doing something also with this game that I'm really happy to see them go back to is they're making the player character human again. Bioshock 2, as much as I love the game, my one gripe with it was the fact that you played as a big daddy. I didn't have the same fear as I had going through the first game. When I was going through the first game, I, I was just a guy. Yes, I had plasmids. Yes, I had guns, but I was just a guy. These things are genetic freaks that are trying to eat my face entirely different than when saying i'm a fucking big daddy i have a drill for an arm fuck you you know it's it doesn't have that same fear factor whereas here it's like you are a guy you fall you're going to get hurt you fall out of this thing there's not a chance you're gonna live you're going to die so you have that sort of that mortality anxiety that that wasn't nearly as prevalent in the second game as i would have liked yeah, it, it's almost as if they
0: have taken this wide open scenery and actually made it feel more claustrophobic because even when you were in those tunnels, you know, if you're in a fight, you at least knew you could put your back to a wall and feel safe. Well, there, there is no damn wall. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if you back up too much, you're ass out. So even though it's a more open area, it can feel a lot more confining.
2: Yeah, so far from what we've seen in the trailer, and yes, we have only seen the trailer so far, it looks fantastic. I mean, when you are being saved by Elizabeth, the uh, the obviously she has some powers in and in, in, in is able to make you float and go towards you. And you see that big daddy hand come out behind her Whoa. and grab her by the waist. It was like a little part of my heart stopped and was like... Oh,
1: How freaking cool is that? (laughs) that Here's the really if you look at some of the other screenshots, though, he might not exactly be a big daddy.
0: And if you look at it,
1: he's something. But if you look at it, that arm was attached to a very, very humanoid body. It wasn't attached to a, a monstrosity and clothes in a suit. It's more like a cybernetic uh, uh, sort of enhancement, almost. Well, Can he's
2: Columbia's back? version of the Big Daddy, essentially.
1: Well, no, well, in gameplay mechanics, sure, but in story-wise, I suspect we're going to see a greater divergence from that. I don't think we're going to see sort of the Big Daddy, but I think we're going to see sort of their version of the Splicer with this sort of steampunkish feel to it. That's what I think.
2: Well, and. Having done the first two now, I think that they're at a point where they can appreciate that having a an an evil force that has a lot more depth to it kind of thing can be something that's very interesting. So if this turns out to be that, more power to them. It'll be a lot more fun to play by, through.
1: By the way, breakdown uh, the trailer breakdown page one, it's the second and third images that I was referring to if you wanted to go take a look at them.
2: I'm going.
1: All right. So we are all very
2: excited about this. I don't care what anybody says. I think this is going to be freaking awesome because if they can nail me in a trailer that I have that same feeling of dread, only instead of being claustrophobic, being that agrophobic feeling of, oh, my God, and that fear of falling, the, and knowing how well they did with the first versions of the ip i've got nothing but faith i think this is going to be fantastic Uh, moving on from there now we've got deus x which we got some more actual gameplay footage i'm actually going to play for folks in the live audience here and make sure we have no volume Um, god damn it again with the age what are all freaking games, all mature games lately? Um, now, you boys obviously watched this trailer, as did I. The um,
0: I don't know. What did you guys think of what they're talking about? And in story wise, Vince, we saw we saw some interesting little uh, tidbits here that sets it up because the the thing that really made Deus Ex phenomenal, aside from its groundbreaking gameplay and all that was the real intrigue in the plot. You, you had all these mysteries. You never were sure who to trust. And even in this little bit where, you know, you see him on this one little mission, you, we don't know if he can really trust the people he's working with. And it sets up for this really potentially awesome storyline hearkening
1: back to the original that we all loved so much. And I think the depth of the gameplay in these missions, too. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, that that's really going to be what what's on top of everything else. It's really going to tell the story. Like you look at one of the first things you see is you see him knocking somebody out and dragging the body away. You know, you see him doing that sort of what, what we call at this point, the Metal Gear Solid esque, you know, hide the body so you don't get caught type thing. You see this level of espionage, not just pure combat. Yes, there is combat. But, you know, like you can still punch through a wall and rip somebody's neck open. But which is awesome. He, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but but you, got, you got sort of like there, it's all around this story that's being told. So you get these fantastical abilities to use with this dynamic gameplay on top of something that's going to be deep, you know. And that's what really sold the first game. The, day, the first games uh, was this very deep storytelling. And I think it's still going to be present here.
2: And like this point here where we're watching, where all of a sudden he realizes that the bomb that's being set off, he's being given a lot less time. And in such a short little cinematic, you are feeling already like, okay, well, not only is he not able to trust who he's going up against, but he's not even able to trust
0: the people who he's working, supposed to be working with as well. Yeah, that 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 was the the selling point of the first game for me. I was vehemently keeping up with every little tidbit of the plot up until the very end, because I just didn't know what the hell was going on. And it wasn't until the resolution where I was like, oh, okay, that's (laughs) what's happening.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, this is shaping up to be very, very cool. The only thing that I'm concerned about is I'm hoping to hell that there's going to be quite a bit of gameplay in it and that it's going to last a while because i can see this very much as the batman arkham asylum kind of thing where you can really sink yourself into that story and feel you know like you're delving into that world it's it's the 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 trailers are really doing a good job and the in-game footage makes it look
0: like it's going to be a, a lot of fun to play Yeah, and just one little thing I want to throw out there is in the last scene of the trailer when he's in the warehouse, and that is a pure homage to Ghost in the Shell. So it's Mm -hmm. great that we see the modern cyberpunk really throwing back to the roots of really one of the most uh, iconic cyberpunk settings of all time. Yeah.
2: All right. Let's go on from there now to Some more news about Star Wars The Old Republic, because we found out more news about the advanced classes. Now, this is something that we discussed on the uh, episode one of uh, Bow Down to Us, the games edition. But we're going to go into it a little bit more now as well, because it's interesting to talk about how it's going to affect... Not just gameplay, but story-wise. Now, what we're finding out here, well, let's just lay down the groundwork, first of all. We found out that there's going to be the two advanced classes for the Jedi Knight. You're going to be able to choose whether you want to be a Guardian or Sentinel, whether you're going to want to be a tank or a um, DPS, essentially, with your class, which harkens back to kind of the Ion feel of choosing a specialty to your class, although admittedly hopefully you're going to have had enough time to mess around with your class that it's not going to be such a jolt if you choose the you know the 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 class the advanced class is not quite similar to your main class you know what i mean it's um, going to be an evolution instead of a pure switch yeah exactly thank you for putting the right words in my mouth so what's interesting here however is that knowing bioware knowing what they're planning for this beast and how they are planning that you're going to have such a different gameplay experience based on how you're choosing to play your characters are we then going to expect that based on which advanced class you're playing? That potentially the gameplay will be that much different as well. Not just gameplay,
0: but the actual lore behind it. You know what I mean? Absolutely, because it, it, when you're looking at it and you read the description of the classes, where they're talking about the Sentinel is about finesse and you know really honing in on your personal abilities, whereas the Guardian is, he he defends the weak, he inspires his allies, and if you ask me, that's the more true definition of a Jedi. And we know that Bioware has this ridiculously arching quest structure and and plot advancement. So I think you you could get two vastly different gameplay experiences even playing the same core class of the Jedi Knight. Because we'll see it, again, hypothetically, but based upon what we've seen, what they've said, you definitely could see that the Guardian would be the more pure, uh, iconic Jedi, whereas the Sentinel is perhaps... Maybe at least a little bit trending towards the dark side because he's more focused on his personal advancement instead of the advancement of everyone. And the thing, too, though, is that at this point here, if in fact we can
2: expect a different a different lore to a certain degree, let's let's be very clear that with that, that's to a certain degree here. Are they biting off more than they can chew? <laughs> like, I mean, for Christ's sakes, by the time you look at the, the different gameplay that we can expect based on not just the faction that you choose, but also the class that you choose, but also the choices that you're going to be making throughout and now potentially the advanced class that you select as well. I And I'm not arguing with you. I can see it happening. I can see them definitely doing that. And I'm very curious to what degree we can expect them to make you feel like you're playing a different game based on even what advanced class you're choosing.
1: Well, and Malagaj makes a great point, something that we forgot to mention here. The game is going around also very a very central idea, at least last we heard, that players will be able to switch sides. So you'll be able to redeem your Sith Warrior into working for the light side where you will be able to fall from grace and your sentinel may become you know, tainted by the dark side. So that's another dynamic of the gameplay that we have to take into consideration too, um, as far as just like beyond class structure and things like that, you know, cause it's very possible to have that melee tank from the dark side find his way over to the light side. So what happens at that point, do you have two melee tanks? So it, it, it's, it, it remains to be seen uh, how they're gonna work this out. But I think it's 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 phenomenal the way that they're showing this diversification between just simple classes too. Okay. I mean, well. Hold on a second, but
2: I'll cut you off right there quickly and then you can keep going. Yes, they said that you're going to be able to redeem yourself, but I don't for one moment think that a Sith class or a Sith warrior or the Inquisitor would be able to, in redeeming himself through quests, ever become a member of the republic they never said that's going to happen i think that what's going to happen is that you're no no the impression that i got and and i'm fine if i'm wrong but the impression i got was that your quest lines will change and how they present themselves to you and everything like that however at the root of it you're still going to be a part of that faction it's not like you're going to be able to faction change over that's
1: not what they originally said they originally said that they were talking about um switching sides literally switching sides now, okay. I think I'm with I'm with Roger on this one how you can still work for the
0: advancement of the empire without being a total asshole. You can still better yourself as a as a Jedi while still furthering the advancement of the empire.
2: Let's be very clear here that if what you're suggesting is going to happen, Joe, you're suggesting then that people would be able to basically flip-flop between factions so that in your party of four five whatever you would also have empire
1: characters now that's well, not something that they ever even hinted towards all i was saying is the, the way they made it sound uh when they were first talking about it at least to me that's the impression that i got so i don't know so we'll see. I mean, if I'm, I'm not saying that I'm right. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm, you know, Oh, you're wrong. Like that. You're wrong. Oh, you're wrong. You're wrong. We'll find out for <laughs> sure. But you're wrong. God damn it.
2: <laughs> I'm quite certain you're wrong. Cause there's no way to hell that they would, but that uh, would be a logistical no, nightmare I for I them. I agree with
1: you. I agree with you. I think it would be a logistical nightmare, but it, that would be going back on what they originally said, which is not too terribly far fetched. I think it's kind of necessary because it would create this whole logistical nightmare, but I'm just saying it was something to consider.
2: Yeah, and I'm not saying it wouldn't be cool. Oh, my God, it would be incredibly cool because what would happen then at that point is that you would have this, this incredible sense of dread going into a party, not quite knowing if you could actually rely on the people that you're with, which is what you should have. I mean, if you're in a party of five and the closest example for lack of a better example, let's just compare it to wow. So you're heading into ice crown, whatever. Okay. And then you're in your party and you're not quite certain you can actually rely on Everyone in your party, maybe it's a horde guy who has since switched over, but you're not quite sure if at some point he's going to deceive you and basically wipe the floor with you or just take off and leave you to die kind of thing. So if they were to introduce that kind of mentality, it would certainly make any grouping that you had to do a lot more
1: stressful. You know what I mean? No, I definitely understand that. (laughs) Yeah,
2: it'd be cool. Okay, so basically that's what we found out with um, the Old Republic. It's, uh, they're going to be an, an announcing all of the classes, how they're going to be splitting up over time. It's going to be interesting to see how the faction sides are going to be somewhat mirroring each other. I was kind of excited about the trooper tank versus the what will obviously be the Sith warrior tank and how they weren't exactly the same. And there were some changes. I thought that was kind of cool. And yet now we're seeing that, no, your Jedi is going to be able to tank as well. So I'm hoping that they don't go too too similar between the two factions. And that they do make it so that there is a lot of differences still in terms of if you're playing one side versus the other, your group mechanics are going to be different. And I'm afraid that due to class mechanics and balancing that maybe they won't. They'll, they'll be generic uh, groups. So let's go on from there and touch on something that I know Joe is dying to talk a lot more about because we got more information about Batman Arkham City. And it's fairly interesting because, I mean, we're getting hints now at the people that we're going to be the, the villains that we're going to be seeing and everything else. So, Joe, actually, I'm going to let you take over from now. <laughs>
1: OK. We all know that I absolutely adored the first game, and the second game is shaping up to be even more epic. Um, One of the first things we are treated to, and and you can see it at the top of the the picture there if you guys are looking at it, is an image of Catwoman uh, and Two-Face. And it's not your cuddly little two-face that just has like the, the weird mutation side face from Batman the Animated Series. It is the really fucked up face that we saw Aaron Eckhart wear in the second movie, essentially. Um, so uh, you see this sort of evolution of evil uh, being done on a character that is very iconic to the storyline. And it's also kind of interesting to note, and they made a note of this in the, uh, the interview here, Catwoman is wearing the same goggles and same ears that we found uh, in the museum case in the first game, which is nice because they're starting to show these threads that lead back from the original game to here. So they start releasing a lot more information about what we can expect from the city. So here's the key points, right? Uh, It has been a year since the events of Arkham Asylum, okay? Um, Sharp has taken credit for for getting the Joker situation under control at Arkham Asylum. Um, He uses that momentum to win his election, uh, and he declares Blackgate and Arkham unfit. Basically, they're not fit for any sort of rehabilitation. They're useless. Um, It is Sharp, who then walls off a section of the slums and declares it Arkham City. Now, that's kind of huge because... You know, this isn't this isn't what we expected. We didn't we, we expected sort of the inmates to have just bursted out and and sort of taken over. But instead, this was actually orchestrated by what is essentially the government. Um, he then uh, hires a mercenary group uh, to man the walls instead of an actual policing force. Uh, the inmates are given no rules except for if you try to escape, you will die. Um, and pretty much they're free to do whatever else they want inside. Um, And as a result of this, some of these supervillains like Two-Face, among others of them, are starting to get their own uh, villains, uh, their own villains gang groups like we were used to seeing from like the 60s show and from the uh, the comic books and are starting to take control over different areas of the city, which is kind of interesting because that means from every area you visit in this game, it has the potential to be wildly different. So it's not just going to be one environment like we had in Arkham Asylum. It's going to be different sections of the city run different ways with different types of villains. So I think that's kind of huge and and something really to look forward to as well. So I'm liking it. I really, really, really like it. Um, There's also other things that we see coming up. Um, Psychiatrist Hugo Strange, which is one of the hidden characters from the original game, is making his way to the new facility. Um, Basically, he's, uh, he's crazier than Quincy Sharp. (laughs) So he's going to be adding a little extra danger to the game, a little extra character development, a little extra conflict. Um, uh, Of course, we've already talked about Two-Face being in there. Um, He, let's see here. Uh, Catwoman will be making an appearance as Batman's love interest. Thank you. Um, Something we've been looking for. We wanted to see that flirtation that that sort of character play in the first game didn't really get to see it. But now we actually will get to see it. Um, We don't know if this is going to be like a co-op second playable character or something like that. Um, But it has potential to be. But more importantly, it's now flushing out more of the character of Batman. Uh, Other things to note, Oracle has gone missing. Oracle was your constant voice in the first game, providing you updates, tips, uh, telling you what was going on. Okay. Instead, it's replaced by Alfred Pennyworth. Awesome, Batman, 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 which I only hope is voiced by Michael Caine. I'm sorry, incredibly happy. Wouldn't
2: that be Uh, awesome, though?
1: That would be awesome. As much as I love the original voice actor that played Alfred. I think that only Michael King can really compliment uh, at this point in the game. If they're going to make sure it's not the original Alfred, it better be him, damn it. Um, but also, Batman has the ability now to listen, and not just to Alfred, but to other different radio frequencies. Like, he can listen to uh, the Gotham City Police Department, as an example, or he can listen to Gotham FM, kind of like Grand Theft Auto style. Don't know. It's probably going to be some kind of comedian things going on. I'm pretty sure at some point, if anything's going to happen, the Joker will wind up taking over Gotham FM. There's going to be something like that happening. I'm certain of it. Um, So, yeah, I think that's also interesting. Uh, They're expanding the fact that you can use gadgets while fighting now, which means in the middle of combat, you can take that explosive gel, slap it on the back of somebody, run away, taunt them, blow the trigger and watch them explode. That's awesome. So that makes me happy, things like that. Um, They're also looking at using more of a forensic angle, Um, basically puzzles that will give you, that will get more complex as you progress, that will use your detective site, but also use basically the fact that you are the world's greatest detective. And that's
2: important. I don't want to cut you off, but Christ, you haven't stopped talking for five minutes. That's fantastic because (laughs) we need more of that. We need more of that detective angle. And it can't just be a game that is about the action. Yes. We love the action side of the detective, uh, sorry, the Batman franchise, but it it can't just be the action. It has to be the detective side. You have to have those puzzles. It's like having a a Lore of Croft game without puzzles. The puzzles have to be there. They're very important to the IP because they stay true to the character. Know what I mean?
1: Well, it's character development. And I'll let Vince go before I go and finish my rant. So. No, I, I was perfectly happy letting you talk. You talk much more. <laughs> I
0: won't actually have to play the game. <laughs> I mean, you've covered damn near everything, but yeah, the 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 angle you were going down with the character development when they're talking about how there's going to be all these various side stories, greater establishing the characters. So for the people who just want to play the game, they can play the game. But for the people like you and me who really want to know more about the characters, more about the world, we can take that time and really learn more. And just one little tidbit that I wanted to touch on, and I think it might end up being a very important Uh, Piece of the puzzle in this overall game is, like you said, Oracle has gone missing, and at least for me, Barbara Gordon's relationship with a certain supervillain is a very important plot point and one
1: of my favorite comic storylines of all time. Well, not just not just a very important villain, but look at her ties to some very important characters in the Batman mythos. Let's let's look at that a little bit more. She's. Gordon's daughter okay she is she is Barbara Gordon she's the original Batgirl okay she helped Batman pick the next Batgirl her basically her replacement she has she is the essentially the superhero version of the calculator which is the villain's version of her she has ties to Nightwing, who is the original Robin, who is this angsty, fucked up individual that I would love to see make an appearance oh, in this game. Wouldn't that, be, that awesome? Wouldn't be awesome? Be awesome! Oh my they, god, they, that would be great. They have
0: quite clearly said that we'll never see Robin in an Arkham Asylum
1: game. That but doesn't we mean we could see, see Dick Grayson. <laughs> Dick Grayson is not Robin. Tim Drake is Robin at this point. I think if we're gonna really, if we're gonna really talk about that. But yes, you have a character who. I'm sorry, and I'm going to go on Nightwing just for a minute. During the daytime, he's a cop. At night, he's a vigilante. He doesn't fucking sleep. He does nothing but fight crime. <laughs> okay, so I mean to add to add that sort of that sort of psychosis in there because Barbara Gordon is his love. Okay, he was originally going to marry her at some point and to have her go missing. You can't tell me he's not going to make an appearance and go shit nuts trying to find her. That would just be, you know, epic, 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 epic. Now, another thing, too, um, and this is one of the things that they're changing that I think is absolutely for the better. First of all, in the original game, we had the, the sort of Riddler missions, um, the Riddler maps, and they, they helped you unlock certain things. And they gave you a little more insight. Instead... Uh, We are going to have interrogations. (laughs) Which means Batman is going to be taking people, tying them up, torturing the shit out of them, responding with, I'm the goddamn Batman, holding them over the side of a building or some other shit to get the information he needs, which is huge because that is an aspect of Batman that we didn't get to see. Like the first game, as much as I love it, it was very narrow. You got to see the very much the do gooder aspect of him, saving lives instead of, you know, causing catastrophic damage, you know, not really torturing people like hanging them up and letting them knock unconscious. No, Batman is a dark individual. He has some really disturbed qualities. He is not a good man. He is not a good man in any sense of the imagination. He has a plan for killing all the other superheroes if it comes down to it. This man's not right in the head. So to see him be able to interrogate people, like take somebody alive and like, you know, use his bat torture device on him I'm completely okay with that because it further develops the character
2: and see I would like to see more of that simply because and see this is something that Vince and I have been talking about because we were talking about it for um, the Shadowlands series with Daredevil right now that we're reading the comic books wherein the character is taking a leap and is much darker and actually killing villains so what I was saying is that you're trying to put morality and logic in a comic environment, which which can't really exist. But the fact is, if you're looking at an environment where you are fighting crime like this and you're fighting, you know, villains or whatever, if the opportunity arises to kill one of them so that you don't have to keep chasing them, but you do, it's not, it's not one of these things where, oh, well, it's the Joker, he's just kind of messing around, don't worry about it, he, no, you, you kill him, and that's it, and it's done. So in a game like this, if they could make it so that you have more the ability to, if you are the type of player who's going to play that dark element, then do so. If you have the option of, killing the joker at some point or two-face at some point or you know after you're done interrogating someone while you're holding them over a building drop them if you're the kind of player that would then serve the consequences later but allow the player to be able to do that because it stands to reason that some people if they were in that kind of environment they would i'd hell i know i would so i want to be able to do those things
1: Let's look at Batman even in that regard. When he originally started in the comics, the story of him, he was a badass he killed people he carried a fucking machine gun in the original the original comics in the 30s okay so i mean he was not a very good man he killed people he killed villains he killed mobsters you know and then it was that golden age era batman that they said okay he's gonna preserve life he's not just gonna to murder things he's not just a murder machine and then you have frank miller who comes along and is like you know what i'm fucking frank miller <laughs> yeah, he's no a murder clear. machine again so you know he makes him into this 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 monstrosity showing this darkness but that has always been there as batman 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 is the identity bruce wayne is the alter ego he is the he is the disguise he is that's not who he is batman is who he is so when you look at it that way he's very complex he is very messed up he is very dark and tortured And you better believe it. He's going to kill somebody at some point. And I want to see that in this game. I want to see that that sort of descent into madness, that descent into darkness, that that Batman goes through these periodic shifts. And I would love to see that aspect of it brought out. Now, and I can't think of anything more appropriate to bring that out than one of the side quests that they were talking about. Um, Optional side stories are going to involve iconic Batman characters, one of which is Zaz, the Tally Man. Who every time he kills somebody, he he scars himself. Right? There was a comic series, and I can't remember it off the top of my head. I know I have it in my collection here, where people kept dying, and Zaz kept scarring himself, and Batman was pushed to the brink of his own insanity, his his own his own world. There, trying to figure out how the fuck. Zaz was still killing people, and not just killing everybody, but people that Batman cared about. And to see that that sort of tallyman man, that storyline, it one, it makes me wonder how many other dark storylines, how many other characters that really know how to fuck with Batman are we going to see? Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Plain and simple.
0: I, I I would kill for a hush storyline in this game. See,
2: when you're talking about that descent into madness, I think that's it right there. That's what they need to appreciate, that with this character more so than a lot of different characters, you have the potential for absolutely astounding storylines simply because of that that potential descent into Mad- and not just any old madness. We're talking pretty screwed up madness here, but it is something that people can relate to and can be can because we've grown up with this character in all of its different facets. That we'll be able to believe it and roll with it, kind of thing. And I think that if they allowed you the opportunity to really choose whether you want to go the regular old route of you know the non-violent or non. You know, mortal, violent kind of Batman versus someone who just decides to say, fuck this shit. You're all dying, and
1: that's it. I've had it with all you. That's what I want. I want the choice to be able to do that. Yes, the choice. And that's right there. I would love to see, I mean, even moral decisions, as Ginny has pointed out in the chat, moral decisions are coming into games, even like Epic Mickey, where depending on what you do changes the entire flow of the game. This is a perfect candidate for that. This is a perfect candidate where you have the option to drop somebody and kill them or to string them up and leave them for you know somebody else to deal with later sparing their life you, you sh- this is a perfect candidate for that where you as the player can potentially not only just control how you descend into this madness but but sort of change the way you play the game as you go through it whereas you know you killing a villain may come back to you know it may come back to bite you in the ass whereas leaving him alive may you know not or vice versa you know so it, it has this potential to be this very open game game, this very epic game with a lot of replayability, depending on what they do with it. Now, we haven't heard anything about that, but I would love to see a moral system put into this game all right with that we're actually going to wrap up
2: this episode of for the lore it, it was a shorter episode but with uh as we've been saying if anybody's been following the uh, the live broadcast things are changing right now where we're having the new formats because of the new podcast so you're going to be able to look for our new games podcast the bow down to us games edition as well as this will become eventually the lore edition so this is going to wrap up the episode for this week make sure to turn in tune tune into us next week it's going to be episode 49 and then oh, two weeks away from a drunk tank Yes, we're gonna have to decide what this drunk tank will be because it will have to be something Starcraft. epic. <laughs> i mean we've had some fairly I, epic drunk tank episodes but i'm this has got to be massive
0: i don't know what I we still p- like my idea of the drinking game for what I don't know, but we gotta come up with something. <laughs> something. We were joking the other night. <laughs> Whenever
2: Joe's goes on a rant, we gotta come up with something though, because it is a half century drunk tank episode and it is marking the era into our new format that we're doing for the site and everything. So we'll come up with something. We'll let you all know. Who knows if we'll have a guest or not? Nothing's decided yet, but uh soon. Anyways, the podcast will be out for you all to listen to tomorrow. And with that, I will let you guys go. So we didn't talk about this uh, fable book. I get really excited over books, game
0: books. I'm kind of finding it hard to be excited about this one. I'm actually excited. Really? Two words. Two (laughs) words. Peter David. Okay. Well, listen, Peter David has a knack for taking things nobody cares about and making them awesome. He took the Teen Titans after they were canceled and made Young Justice. Yep, Great book. Yes, he did. He took The Incredible Hulk back in uh, the 80s when nobody was reading it. It was a failing book. And he still to this day has probably told the definitive Hulk stories. He took Jamie Freaking Madrox and made probably one of the best books Marvel was putting out for several years in his second run on X Factor. So mm. I, I like him as a writer. <laughs> I was just a yawn. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I can't
2: get excited, and I mean, I played the first two, and I'm probably going to either oh, play or pick up the third. Fable. But that's the thing, and I love these book tie-ins, but I'm finding it very hard. And okay, let me put it to you this way: part of the reason that I'm getting that I'm not as excited about it is that the fable. IP is not distinctive enough as an IP versus any old medieval type of story. It's not something like WoW that has a very, very distinctive um, IP, uh, history to it. It's not like Guild Wars that has a... Very distinctive IP. It's nothing like that. It's fable. There's really nothing distinctive about the IP that would make a novel fun to read or any different. I'm, I'm sure that he can craft something beautiful out of it, but the IP in and of itself is not something that I really care that much about it.
0: Hey, I can read the book and enjoy the book without giving a crap about the games, which is exactly,
2: but then it's not, you're not reading it because of the IP, which is what they're trying to sell it on is that it's this, you know, it's on this IP. I mean, big bold letters, fable. That's what they care about. That's what they want you to pick it up because of, and yet really the, that fable universe is really not that thrilling. It's not that exciting. It's what you make of it once you're in it, but in and of itself, it's, Pretty goddamn boring. Yep. The, uh, the comic one has actually been a lot of fun to record. Well, part of the fun for me, too, is I'm not hosting the damn thing. Which is kind of cool. You just kind of sit back and relax. It's a lot more relaxing when you're not hosting. When you're just co-hosting, you can just kind of glide. Yeah, and no just, shit. Yeah. That half great. hour
0: goes by in, like, three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, now you I'll, know what I, I have to do. I'm halfway through the intro. I look down and the show's half over. <laughs> <laughs> and I got you sending me messages 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll come on now. Give me some credit. I I'll wait till there's about like five minutes left. And like, <laughs> what I want to be saying is you're talking too damn much. Stop talking. Roger's a special cupcake. All right. I'm going to set the volume to off because I'm going to play the video for Bioshock because it's awesome yes yes it is <laughs> so we're gonna be starting off with what i think is the biggest news. i definitely agree ever oh dude hello <laughs> 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 welcome Say to one. four up uh, jesus ah, 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 <laughs> christ what are you a noob we've only been doing this for 48 episodes
1: jesus christ you're pulling off a rick <sighs> it was about time damn it okay go ahead you sure Yep, I'm, I'm uh, sure uh, it. Oh, 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 episode 51. How
2: I cannot wait.
1: <laughs>
2: uh. <laughs> It'll be like the comics podcast episode number one. Oh, what fun
0: that no, was. No, episode one went well. <laughs> it was episode two that I choked on.
1: <laughs> it was the number two that I choked on. Yeah, <laughs> because of the kernels. <laughs> oh, too easy. Go ahead. Yep. Are we still broadcasting?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. All right. I'll be the comedy real- I'll be Joe essentially running over from freaking blood elf area
0: that's what I'll be hey shut up <laughs> drunk tank episode I'll try to take out your entire army with a freaking probe
1: <laughs> I totally will SCV rush somebody <laughs> Okay, see, I'm not liking this plan already <laughs> mighty God is a living man. You can fool some people sometimes, but you can